Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. And here we go, Andy. Fantastic. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andy Arnott. Amy is not with us today. She's under the weather, but we are super happy and excited to have uh, Andy Hooper on today. Andy, thank you so much for being on. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, best wishes to Amy. I hope she gets better soon. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like she's uh, she's just uh, you know uh, taking care of herself with an, an abundance of caution. But uh, I'm glad she's doing that. Health is always important. Uh, if you're healthy, give thanks for that. And if somebody uh, around you is not, make sure you're offering a helping hand. Uh, Andy, we'd love to start out with a, a little bit of background. You know, street cred, <laughs> why why you are where you are, and what what why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, so if you could give us some background, maybe, uh, you know, as little or as much as you like, maybe, you know, uh, where you're born, if you went to school, if you went to school of hard knocks, uh, kind of your journey to where you are today. Well, okay, yes. Uh, so uh, for most of you listening, clearly my accent is not a states-based accent. So that's the first thing we should probably uh, resolve straight away. So I'm based in the UK. Uh, I live in the UK. I've lived in the UK most of my life. Uh, I grew up uh, just north of London, which most people will probably be aware of. And uh, I you know, went to school, went to college, typical sort of stuff, uh, and left school and went into retail. So I went into retail. Uh, I was okay at school. Um, you know, I sort of passed my exams, but I didn't really fit with it. Um, I just wanted to be out working, in a nutshell. Uh, and as soon as I went to work, it all just clicked all of a sudden. Strange how that happens, isn't it? And um, yeah, I went, went into retail, worked for some of the largest department stores in the country here in the UK. I uh, did management training schemes and got on that, then went into sales, direct sales, uh, and then got a bit bored with that and then went all sailing around the world for 10 years, uh, which was uh, epic, quite honestly. Uh, so I sort of took my some time out, when, when I say time out, uh, I, don't know, I don't know if that's time out or not, I don't know. Uh, but I went and talked sailing around the world. Uh, so it gave me a huge opportunity to work with people from all walks of life uh, in different environments around the world. Things which gave me a unique perspective on life. So not only did I have the retail side and the sales side, I also then embedded coaching into what I do and how I do it. And I think the thing that I've always loved is coaching people, um, working with people to develop whatever they're doing and in the end i then ended up working in sort of the world of sailing and part of my role was to support people in developing uh sailing centers olympic people into olympic sailing and things like that so that's sort of where i ended up and my role there was to work with small businesses to help them to grow sailing in in the country that was the overall goal and then I got a bit bored of that and thought, well, I'll tell you what, I need to earn some extra cash. So I did wedding photography. I did 3D printing figures. Um, I set up a sports consultancy. I was selling products on Amazon, little silicon watches, flipping stuff on eBay. And you see where this is all starting to go down the route of. Um, started to get embedded into the world of e-commerce. I was starting selling stuff on Amazon. Um, I enjoyed selling stuff on Amazon, but I'm much more service-focused than product focus so going and finding new products in china although i've done it didn't really excite me 
um, what excites me is service-based things, helping people to see that coaching element and seeing what happens. So long story short, we, we ended up, ended up, I ended up with a business where I saw an opportunity to support sellers, typically US-based sellers expanding into Europe. And, you know, it was looking at the struggles they were having and saying, well, hey, you've got some awesome products. Why are you not selling them here? So as a case of what, what, what do we need to do to support sellers to get epic products here in Europe? And every day I speak to sellers, I'm like, what do you sell? I'm like, oh, no, there goes my Amazon account. Get a hammering again, because I get so excited about these products. I'm like, I've got to have that in my life. Um, and it basically, we went around over the last five years, basically solving all of the pains for sellers expanding into Europe to create essentially what we have now, which is a one-stop shop. So now I'm the CEO of Global E-commerce Experts. We successfully expand e-commerce sellers into Europe, making them the next category king. Uh, basically doing everything along the journey. So whether it be shipping, customs, VAT, compliance, products, everything, warehousing, UK, Europe, we do everything because basically I, I feel compelled to solve the problems so that people can expand quicker and faster. So, Andy, does that give you a very quick five minutes, maybe two minutes? Maybe I'm no, not sure. I love that. That, that, no, that was perfect. I, I love it. Sailing. Oh, that's that, you know, I'm, I, I grew up in Hawaii and uh, you know, never oh. did sailing. We did a lot of deep sea fishing though. My dad had a boat. I was lucky enough to, to be able to go out and, you know, pull in some pretty large fish so that was a lot of fun, but I can remember, I mean, I was also, you know, it was usually when I was a kid, sometimes as a young adult and, uh, I enjoyed it, but that kind of boating, you know, I I've never really done the sailing thing. I mean, a couple of times, you know, like on vacation yeah. and stuff, but, uh, uh, it, it looks epic. I just, I don't know if I have the patience for, you know, being out in the, in the hot sun, uh, like half the day, like, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. So I don't know, but one of these days, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe have to give it a try when my kids get older, but, uh, Right well, now, like I say, I have five businesses, right? I have my three children and then my, my two other businesses. And, uh, the children are probably the hardest. <laughs> yeah, quite, I totally agree. I mean, Hawaii, what a fabulous place. I mean, I do a lot of windsurfing as well. So windsurfing is a bit of a mecca for, uh, uh, sorry, Hawaii is a bit of a mecca for windsurfers. I've not quite made it there yet. Uh, but maybe one day when I've retired and, you know, I can chill out or something. Yeah, um, looking back on I my childhood, I was... I was super lucky. I grew up, you know, like 10 minutes. I could walk to one of the best surf beaches uh, in Hawaii and, and things like that. So, yeah, I was pretty spoiled. Epic. I'm incredibly uh, jealous. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, going back to visit is always fun. I, I definitely miss it more and more the older I get. Um, but uh, we absolutely, we're in Idaho now. We love it here. So uh, we're, we're, uh, we, we, we moved out from Northern California last year. And, and it's epically beautiful here. So we're, we're super uh, happy to be here. All right, back to Amazon. Enough about us, folks. Um, Andy, what are the biggest challenges when expanding or starting to sell on, on, you know, Amazon outside of the U.S.? You know, I know that, you know, that's probably one of them. Uh, you know, what are some of the big pitfalls and some of the things when you're talking to clients and, and people looking to expand that are just like, you know, I'd really like to expand, but, you know, like, what are some of their buts? <laughs> okay, so uh, there's a few things to piece together. So you've got business compliance. And you've got product compliance. So business compliance is things like VAT. You know, what money have you got to pay to the government and where? 
Um, the next thing is the product compliance. Is the product compliant with the regulations? It's not just a case of ship the products and off they go. And that's probably the biggest hurdle people fall into because everyone knows, no, let me rephrase that. A lot of Amazon sellers know that when they're expanding to Europe, there's this VAT thing that they've got to get their head around. What they fall foul of is the product compliance. Oh, well, I'll just, oh, I've got the VAT, send the product and off it goes. So there's like a few things that people need to consider. Um, and, you know, to be honest, people overcomplicate it to charge as much money as possible to solve the problem. Um, all of these things are particularly difficult to solve. Um, obviously, if you've got the right partners who know what they're doing and work with thousands of sellers. Uh, so the VAT is one thing. Like the, the key thing to understand with the of your business compliance is you don't need to set up an entity, you don't need a bank account, you don't even need to come here. Like that's the key thing and first thing to say. You VAT register your business, which basically means you're giving your US-based business a ticket that says, I can sell here and I can sell there you legally. And what it means is I'm going to give some money to the government when on, on the way in and on the way out. All right. And you know, the key thing to think about is wherever you fulfill your products from, you need to be VAT registered in a nutshell. There's a whole load of rules around that that get difficult, but in essence, you're going to need to pay VAT where you fulfill your products from. And typically, more so coming out past July, in most places where you're shipping them to in Europe, right? So that's the VAT. You know, straightforward, really easy. If you've got the right people supporting you, it's easy. The product compliance, though, is much more in-depth. Depending on your product, depends on the, on the type of compliance it needs. Virtually everything needs some form of compliance. So let's take some typical products. So a typical seller might sell an electrical product. So they need a CE mark, or in the UK now, a UK CE mark. So they need some form of compliance and certification around that. They might sell a supplement. Again, a supplement, they need a food business operator. And, the, and that the ingredients of the product are probably very different the regulations that are in the, in the States. So for example, you know, in the States, you just put dietary supplement on, right? That, that's why Amazon's food, that you can't say that in the UK, it has to be a food supplement. Now, actually that's a very small difference, but it would mean the difference between Amazon pulling all your products off the shelf and making them unfillable inventory and removing that skew. And we all know the hassles that comes with, with that. Um, you know, then you've got cosmetics, then you've got, um, then you've got medical products, then you've got general product classification, toys, and, and the list goes on. Um, right. Some of the, people know like some of the hardest products are, of course, anything you put in your mouth, right? Like any consumable uh, medication, uh, supplements, uh, and then also kids, right? Anything involved with kids is usually pretty hard um, or anything that's dangerous, you know, fire, knives, uh, lithium batteries, you know, those are seem like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but those are kind of the, the big ones that are, people are going to have the hardest time with. Definitely. And, th and there's certain things that can be sold in one country, but they can't in another. So we've got a client I was talking to the other day, uh, they sell three products. They sell, uh, stun guns, uh, pepper spray, and the baby product of some sort. 
how those how how the baby product <laughs> is in there i i don't have no idea um uh, under the same brand yeah, yeah um but nonetheless so for example you know the sun guns and pepper spray can't be sold in the uk but it can be sold in germany you know so there are whilst the regulations are european regulations there's a brexit implication there there are some anomalies like in the uk you can't sell real fur but in france you can now there's not a lot of sellers that sell real fur these days but th there are anomalies to those and you need to know what they are because you want to make sure before you expand where you can expand to and that's the critical part you know, where can you actually expand your products to and where does that make the most sense yeah those are those are a lot of good points um so uh, when I looked into it, you know, I expanded into the UK and, and a few other markets in Europe. And uh, for me, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, uh, you know, the, the, the effort didn't seem like it would uh, scale for us. Right. So, but back then, you know, we didn't, this was years ago, you know, we didn't have somebody like you to kind of guide us through that, that whole journey and maybe make some things easier. But um, in, in dabbling there, I did notice some, some, you know, there are definitely more opportunities there if you know what you're doing in terms of, you know, a lot less, uh, you know, amount of sellers, uh, a lot less who know what they're doing in terms of like SEO and things like that. So uh, what are some of the opportunities that, you know, sellers can find in, in some of these alternative markets? I'm calling them alternative, even though they're not just outside of the US, because most of our audience is US, uh, it's a lot in Australia and all over. But anyway, um, what are what are some of the opportunities that that sellers will find in those markets? I think that you know, there, there's a range of different areas. So your the, the great thing is because they're they're different countries. You know, with the you know, with Europe, you've got depending on who counts the numbers and in which way you count the number, you've got between five to seven hundred million people that you can expand to in Europe. Now, when you compare that to the North American market, that's a lot more. That that, that number one. That's the first thing. The downside to that is it's 27 countries. Therefore, it's broadly 27 languages. So there are some issues with that alone that people have to resolve. But what that comes with that is the opportunities because if, you, if you're selling a product, now what might sell well really well in the UK might not sell as well in Germany. There might be more, um, might have more seasonal products that might be better for the French and the German market and not the English market. There, there, are, there are opportunities with those different areas, those different markets. And the other thing off the back of that is that the people that expand just on animals are just one type of seller. The people that actually succeed are the ones that take an omni-channel approach. And things like, you know, when you're expanding into, into the UK, Amazon is, is the biggest marketplace, but there's several others. And every other country is exactly the same. So what happens is, is everyone's like, well, I've expanded to Europe. Well, where have you expanded? On Amazon. Okay. So you haven't quite expanded, expanded. You've, you've reached a new audience and you've reached a new market totally. And let's, let's be honest, when you're doing that to start away, going from Amazon to Amazon is the best way of doing that because you know it. It's simple. It's home from home. All right. Yes, there's a few tweaks, right? Seller Central isn't quite the same, but broadly, it's the same thing. And what comes off the back of that is that, well, okay, I need to actually launch in other marketplaces. So the opportunity is also the other marketplaces that you're involved in. What it means is, is that with your product, 
if there are certain products that are going to sell really well in some areas, but seasonal products tend to do really well because the season's slightly extended in certain areas. And then you've got cold, you've got much colder areas, you've got warmer areas, and you can be really, really key with your products. The other thing is, is that the, the, there's not as many sellers, not as competitive. That's the first thing. Um, with the influx of the way that uh, um, the governments are taking VAT, what they're doing is they're taking VAT as source. What that means is, is if I sell my product on Amazon, that the product's £10, Amazon's taking the 20% and giving it to the government straight away. Now, what was happening was there were lots of sellers from further away in different areas of the world, should we say, the sellers that we all struggle with in certain places, that perhaps weren't as compliant as what they could be. They were VAT registered, but they were never giving the 20% back to the government. So what it means is prices in the UK and Germany have shot up broadly 20% overnight. With Brexit, what's happened is all of the people in the UK have gone, it's too difficult to sell in Europe. Everyone in Europe has gone, it's too difficult to sell in the UK. Because that cross-border that everyone in the States that's listened to this that's done it, had already done, no one in the UK and Europe had done it because it was just too difficult for them and they just couldn't fathom it. But in the States, they just have to switch what they're doing slightly, and it's on overnight. So not only have you got a reduction of sellers from the Far East, you've got a reduction in the sellers from the UK and Europe, and the prices have gone up broadly 20%. So all of a sudden, you've got less sellers, 20% more margins broadly, not in every category, but in some. Uh, and all of a sudden, you've got less sellers. So actually, the opportunity straight away Certainly in this first six months of the year, it's been epic. Interesting. So, so I didn't know this unless I'm understanding you wrong. So has Europe done something similar to it? Like in the US, I know here it was, it was such a headache because you had 50 states with 50 tax rules and uh, you know, all, you know, all this crazy stuff. And they finally, after, you know, years, we were doing the marketplace facilitator where, you know, majority of states now just tell Amazon, you take it off the top and you pay us, right? So is that same uh, kind of policy happening in, in Europe right now? In some areas. So not in everywhere. Not yet. It will. Um, so, you know, Nexus type approach, you know, if you, for, for US sellers, Nexus is a little bit like having all the different countries doing their, all different, their own VAT, right? It, it's probably the same thing. Um, it's, it's just called something different. So Amazon is doing that in, in the UK. They are doing that in Germany. It will start to happen in France, Italy, Spain, as we go down. They're not doing it yet. It does still mean you need to be VAT registered because you need to reclaim your import VAT and everything else. And if you sell off of Amazon, then you then need that additional stuff as well. Um, but the, in answer to your question, yes, they are doing it. Um, it's not everywhere. It's not perfect yet, um, but it is moving in that direction. So it does mean everyone's compliant because it's taken its source. Yeah, I love that. I think that was one of the other main issues, uh, you know, that it, it was, like I said, just like here in the U.S. I mean, I saw so many different Facebook groups, things like that, being like, you know, I, you know, I have a, uh, you know, I'm from Missouri, but, you know, some of my products are fba to California. And, you know, it was just an epic mess. And so I'm so glad that here they finally, uh, you know, 
<laughs> made it easier on everyone really when you when, in the grand scheme of things to just collect directly from the marketplace so i'm really glad to hear that that's kind of where that's trending you know over there in europe uh, the other thing that i'm interested in which i did i i have seen uh a, a, quite a bit of is you you alluded to the fact that um you know there's a lot of products that um you're not able to sell uh overseas in certain markets that you are in the u.s vice versa uh because there's just so many different you know intricacies and things like that um what are there any other major terms of service i know that each country is different which is a, a whole nother you know issue in itself but are there any uh, major differences in amazon terms of service um if somebody is expanding to these markets that they should be aware of not really in all honesty you know the, the terms of service whilst they're slightly marginally different in each country like the terms of service are the terms of service like you know the things that you and i would expect in the states are the same in the uk you know if you go and get and let's talk about fake reviews because it's topical and it's happened recently if you go and do reviews like that you're going to get pulled down you know if you're putting inserts into the product and you're selling sending them to your website and all that and they find out you're going to get pulled you know so there are there are lots of things that are very very similar there's no anomalies that you would come across other than you're making sure your product's compliant and the compliance is different but yeah that's really the key thing that it's broadly the same not pay attention to the rules without any shadow of doubt but there's nothing that someone would see think is majorly different right i mean the, the biggest thing that you know i continuously tell sellers is you know use some common sense right i mean if it, if it feels a little shady it probably is right so i mean you know that's one of the things that you really need to go to and and look at you know amazon is using not only humans but ai now to look at you know if you're doing a a new product launch and you're you know paying people by paypal you know 100 off and then you know doing uh, messenger follow-ups asking for reviews and things like that they're tied into all that stuff you know with cookies with uh, partnerships with a lot of people don't know but like amazon and facebook share data so the you know there's a lot of ways for them to be able to to catch you if you're cheating. So I mean honestly the better idea is to just you know learn how to be a good marketer, you know in terms of you know when you launch, you know have I diver have diverse traffic, send traffic, I mean definitely do the 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 rebates and the discounts and all that stuff. Everybody else is doing it. You have to compete. But use some common sense and say, you know, instead of trying to do 100 rebates, maybe do 3 or 5, or, you know, 10, a reasonable amount which anybody at Amazon would go, oh, that's reasonable. You know, companies all over do rebates and things like that. So, you know, be reasonable. Um, and I think that's the main point to, to pull away from that, probably going into uh, into the European markets as well. Something else I'm interested about is uh, expectations, right? I know that when I when we uh, visited the UK and, and Italy and some of the other places, it was like 10 years ago now, at least. But what we noticed is shopping there is very different. Nothing was open on Sundays selection was extremely sparse uh my wife had like burned her like, like i don't know what she did but she like broke her straightening iron or something and we had to like go to like the train station in london to like find a store that was open to get her one and it was just crazy so what are, are are there any big differences in expectations from shoppers in the uk and in europe uh compared to shoppers in the us i think that the biggest thing, so a lot of those things have changed, in all fairness, you know, different parts of the world are different. UK, London, you know, Sundays, I mean, it's just like any other day of the week. Uh, most of the UK is very, very commercialised. 
Um, there are parts of Italy, Spain, France, Germany, you know, where they are not like that at all. You know, it's still very, very traditional. It's Monday to Friday. There's Saturday. Some shops still shut on a Monday, Sunday and Monday because they're open on a Saturday. Um, you know, you, Spain and Italy still have a siesta. They break at lunchtime. I mean, like, they're still doing these things. So, you know, yes, those things are different. But I think the key thing from an online e-commerce perspective is that expectations are slightly different. So next day, prime delivery is still key. Yeah, no doubt about that. But the expectation of returns is slightly different. So in the States, you get quite a lot of returns in, in percentage-wise, what we would hear. Because what happens is, is there's just you're just geared up for picking things up from the, the doorman, the, 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 the concierge, right? We just don't have that across you. So sending stuff back is more difficult. I've got a garage full of stuff that's never gone back that should have gone back because it was just too complicated to send back. Amazon is trying to make that easier, but actually that's a, a bonus that actually you don't get as many returns coming back because you know, if something doesn't quite fit or whatever, actually there's a percentage that doesn't happen. You know, as opposed to you know, things that change, there are things that are different. You know, like some of the language is different. Of course, it is. There's 27 languages. You know, even English states. You know, we call things different: lift, elevator, boot, hood, trousers, pants. Like we could go on and on about those. Um, so there are definitely differences that people need to consider, and there are things that you know, when you're doing your listing, as an example, you know, the key words really need to focus on to make sure you're delivering the right keywords um there's lots of nuances that you need to consider but there that's more important than thinking about necessarily the culture in some places that's that that's super interesting and a, and a, a really good point um in terms of margins right people a, a lot of people especially newer sellers don't ever even look at those numbers to see that you know, this is my profit, this is my, you know, what I'm making, but then they don't take into account all those returns, which really can eat into uh, those margins. Um, so I'm curious about types of brands or kind of the, the, the clients that you see that are being really successful and maybe there's some that aren't. Are there any big things that stand out that some are doing right and some are not doing, you know, and, and some that may not be doing things right? Yeah, I think, I think the key thing is, is the business set up in the first place you know who's running it how is it set up how is it geared up so you know if you are doing under a million dollars in the us you'll still you will be able to expand it's just not going to be as easy because you don't have the time and the resource to make it happen um if you're doing over a million we the, the, the majority of sellers we see that expand expand successfully are doing over a million dollars to start with um, that doesn't mean to say that brands coming in are doing less than wouldn't be, but if you've just done, turned over your first six figures and you've done a hundred thousand in the US and you're like, I've made it, I'm ready to go. You're not ready to expand to Europe. Okay. Um, and there's lots of reasons for that. Unless you are a fast emerging brand and you've done that hundred thousand in the first three weeks, I would take an exception. Right. But, you know, expanding to a new market, there's cost involved. There's time involved, and there's two ways of looking at those. 
you can go on YouTube and watch every single one of the videos we've done, and that will teach you everything you need to do. No doubt whatsoever. Um, will you be able to do the VAT compliant? Probably not. There's going to be some cost there. But have I done everything on YouTube for you to follow step by step? Damn right we have. We've got our success pathway. And if you follow the success pathway, you'll be able to do it. So what I'd say if you're doing less than half a million, let's say, actually use the videos, use the tutorials. You've probably got the time to do it, right? But actually, as you scale your business, you want to be doing, you want the fast route rather than you don't want to be spending watching and listen to me for 40 hours, 50, 60, 70 hours on how to expand to Europe. What you want to do is say, hey, Andy, what do I need to do? And I go this, 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 this. And you go, okay, wicked. What's the fastest way to make that happen? This, this, this. Okay, here's a check to make it happen. And I'm being a bit flippant with that. But, you know, you, the thing that we see is people doing over a million of the key. Um, after that, you need a brand. So people that have brands that are trademarked brands, they can get enhanced brand content, A-plus content, they can get all of that sort of stuff. They're the ones that are exceeding expectations right now. Those that have got a private label but aren't trademarked are selling, but I don't think they're excelling. And I think people that resell, unless you've got a unique product that you can resell that no one else is reselling, the cost of it, you finding something in arbitrage in the States and shipping it to the UK and then selling it just doesn't work. Um, unless you're working directly with the manufacturer. We've got people that sell you know, um, little sort of figurines and stuff. That works. They're individual. They're very unique. They come directly from seller, the supplier. That works. All right. But not if you're going into Walmart and buying 40 of something and then sending it to them. It, it's just not. I think there's a, there's a handful of things there. Um, and some people can cherry pick the ones that work best for them i think that gives people a starting point yeah i think uh uh more and more i mean every single year i've seen it progress i've been doing this since about 2011 and uh if you don't have a, a unique product it's you know it, it's going to be harder and harder not only because big money has now moved into amazon right you have all these vcs and all these giant uh like thrashio and and all these big companies that are coming in and buying up the smaller uh mom and pop type companies that have you know done over a million and and kind of there's this uh you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, uh, you know, all these little companies coming together as a kind of a conglomerate and, you know, they have a lot of power because now they've got, you know, a company of, you know, Thrashio, I think it was last server was up to like 500 people or something. And yeah. they've got, you know, a guy who's like the top PPC guy, you know, in the, in the States and they got the top, you know, PR guy and they got, they have all these resources for all these, you know, it might be 50 different brands, um, that started as, as, you know, separate entities that are now working together. So they all now can share all these resources, all this data, all this trial and error, all the SEO, all these PPC. Exactly. They have all this data now that they can farm and then, you know, improve upon. So if you are a smaller seller these days, you really, really have to up your game and you have to be agile and you have to get unique products. I think that's the, the big differentiator, right? Because in those companies, Whenever you get too big, there's a lot of moving parts, right? Red tape, which means that idea to launch is much longer. That 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 process is much longer. Whereas a small, you know, somebody who's small, you can go to a local, you know, say a machine shop in the states. You have this new product. You can have them machine it, 
uh, you know, and pump it out in a week, you know, if you, if you were good at it um, and, and get it to market. So I think that's, uh, you know, a, a great point in terms of, you know, building a brand, having unique products. And then at the million mark, I think is where you actually start really understanding how Amazon works. Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.